How many have enjoyed Miss Meliana? How many have enjoyed Miss Meliana? Give her a hand as she comes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He wanted to kiss. <laughs> he wanted to kiss. Anyway, um, that reminds me of Song of Solomon, chapter 1, first couple of verses. In fact, that was our very first book. Uh, it's the entire book of Song of Solomon. What we have done, we have took every, in fact, I think I have a few books back there left. We have took every verse and explained what it means because a lot of people don't read that book because of the language of the book, but it's such a beautiful book because our desire, in fact, it was that book, Song of Solomon, that drove us into the ministry. What happened, we were involved in a marriage class in our home church in uh, Maui, Hawaii, and some scripture from there were given to us that we have to study and come back the following week and discuss it. But I tell you what, when we start reading that book, there was such, it causes such a passion, such a love for God that we had never known before. And out of the love for God, there was such a love in your heart for people. Let me tell you what, when you are consumed with the love of God, you not only love him, he's the author of love. He's the author of love. Amen? Like what I said, you not only love God, but the overflow of a loving God, you will love people. You'll love people that hurt you. You'll love people that offend you. Why? Because you see them in a totally different view. Because his word says love covers a multitude of sin. You love them. You want to love them in to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? But anyway, getting back to that first and second verse, it says, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. <laughs> if you dig in again, if you dig into that book, Song of Solomon, you'll be shocked. Oh, my gosh. Couldn't believe this language. But again, a mind that not yet been renewed in the word of God, we can easily misinterpret God's word. But anyway, what does that mean? Kiss me. <laughs> Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. That should be a prayer. That should be a cry. Every time you come through the church door. <laughs> I shouldn't even quoted it. <laughs> but anyway, what does that mean? That should be our prayer. That should be our cry every time we walk through that door. Jesus, I didn't er wake up early this morning to come to church to see a preacher. God, I didn't come here just to uh, watch the worship team. I came here this morning because I want a word that comes directly from heaven that will kiss me, that will take care of what I'm going through, that will take care of what my children are going through, that will take care of the sickness in my body. Because your word says that man can live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, out of the mouth of God. Amen? 
Otherwise, we're just gathering. Whatever going to happen, that is what's going to happen. No, we should come with a passion, a hunger, a desire. God, I came here this morning to hear from you and to receive a word from you. I didn't come here just to watch what's going on. No, Lord, I want a word from you. And listen, if that is our prayer, if that is our cry, if that is our passion, I guarantee you, God will give you exactly what you need. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And let alone, that should be our prayer. That should be our cry. Every time we lift up God's word and read, God, speak to me through your word. Otherwise, I'm just reading like a historical or just words. But if you give me a revelation of your word, that will take care what I'm going through. Amen? I tell you what, last night, John, he was coughing all day. Uh, yesterday um, a, a morning, he was coughing, not all day. And then, after lunch, he went to bed. We never saw him until this morning. <laughs> he never got up and uh, go to uh, have dinner or anything. But then I pray, we pray, I pray, and I read God's word. And spoke to me, you know, and it just comforted me knowing that God will take care. Him not, uh, him uh, coughing, he will totally feel better this morning. He woke up totally fine. Praise God. Amen. Again, when you pray, get a word from heaven, it will take care of everything. Praise God. I felt like to share a couple testimony of how faithful God is when we obey him and when we walk with him and trust him and do what he called us to do. He will see to it that he will take care what concerns your heart. Amen. Uh, early this year, John and I, we were ministering in a Southern California. And we were there from Sunday to Wednesday. And then uh, we're off on uh, Thursday and Friday. We, we have to fly into Oregon to do a prophetic conference over there. So on Wednesday night, I uh, decided to call before the service start. I called my daughter, Leilani, to remind her, to remind David, her husband, to make sure he get on a plane, fly into, because I make sure he does not forget it. Because we have this conference, people register about over 300 people. For this prophetic conference, that means we have to prophesy on everybody. So we, I wanted to make sure that David will get on the plane and fly in to help us. So, so he'll not forget. So I called her, my daughter. And when my daughter picked up the phone, she can barely talk. Every other word, or all, every other sentence or almost a word, she stopped and started coughing so hard. And I can hear that she is breathing so hard. And I said, sweetie, are you okay? And she said, mom, I have been sick for the last four days. And I said, what's going on? She said, I've been coughing nonstop, fever, headache, go on and on. And I said, do you have your taste? Do <laughs> 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 so you have your smell? <laughs> can you smell? went on and I already know what it is and I, I tell you what I was so concerned 
as a mom, I was so concerned because we just came from a church in Illinois that a same gal that at this church, same age as my daughter, 33 years old, all she had was COVID, ended up in a hospital. The COVID not only affected her lung, it even affected her heart. Lost all her feelings and on her hand and her toes, lost all her toes and her fingers, and it was horrible. So when I called my daughter, I just, I was just shocked because of what happened to my, uh, what happened to this young lady, same age as my daughter. So I said, so I said, oh sweetie, the reason why I called because I wanted you to remind David to get on a plane, flying to help us. But since you are not feeling good, since you are sick, listen, don't worry about it. That because they have two small children, don't worry about it. David is, has to stay, take care of the children. Dad and I are just gonna try to take care of this conference. And she said, okay, mom. And I said, but before you hang up the phone, let me pray for you. So I start praying, quoting every healing scripture that I remember. Pray, God, I remember, I know what your word says, that by your stripe, my daughter is healed, forget not our benefit. You forgive us and you heal my daughter. And went on and I pray all this claiming healing over my daughter. And uh, I said, sweetie, so let me continue. I'll, I'll, hey, you have to, I have to get off from the phone, but I'll continue to pray for you. I want you to please make sure you take all the vitamin that you can get a hold of. A, B, C, D, E, <laughs> zinc, you know, every vitamin. Take a, a drink, a lot of liquid. And again, like what I said, breathing so hard, was so concerned. And I got up from the phone. Let me tell you what, I was sitting there in the church. My mind was not quite there. My mind was on my daughter. Let me tell you what. I can have crisis with my job. I can have crisis in the ministry. But when it comes to my children, it's different. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. When it comes to my children or my grandchildren, it's different. It almost have a way of consuming your mind. I can deal with the crisis at home, I mean, at, with the ministry or my job, but when it comes to your family. So, and I tell you, I was just sitting there, my mind was consumed. For, for what my daughter is going through. So I just praying for her most all day, woke up the next day, Thursday. I didn't bother to call her. You know why I didn't bother to call her? Because I didn't want to hear her breathing so hard and coughing nonstop. And parents, you know what I'm talking about, but then I continued to pray for her. So Friday, I woke up that morning, heading to the airport to fly to, to uh, where we were flying to in Oregon. And um, I decided to call her, just check on her. Portland, that's where we were, supposed, we were flying to. And I just called her to see how she's doing. I said, Leilani, I just wanted to see how you're doing before I get on my, my flight. And she said, Mom, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> Why are you calling me this early? <laughs> and she said, since you prayed for me on Wednesday night, I start feeling better. The coughing stopped. I start breathing better. In fact, I totally feel well and I feel totally fine. And just want you to know that David is on his flight. 
on his way <laughs> to Portland to help you guys with the conference. And I tell you what, I was rejoicing, but I remember that Wednesday night, I could, I, my mind was so consumed with what you went through. And I remember they were taking an offering and I grabbed my phone and said, I'll do whatever I can do to help my daughter. So not only pray, claim the healing over her, I grabbed my phone when they were taking the offering. I, I, I put $500, Lord, this is a seed <laughs> for my daughter's health. I done everything that I thought I know how. Pray, claim healing, sow a seed, I'm trusting in you, oh God. You touch my daughter, heal my daughter. And when I called her, didn't hear any coughing, breathing so good, totally feel better, totally well. And I tell you what, I was rejoicing, praising God of how faithful he is. And then I thought about, I thought about this because the reason why I, I, I again, I just want to make this clear because I sow a seed. I want you to understand this, that just because I sow a seed, that is not a magic or that is not a formula. God, I'm going to do this and you do that. No, I did that by faith. Because God is not pleased by formula. He's pleased by faith. Amen? And I just want to encourage you, and not only that, to be honest with you, deep down in my heart, God, I want David to come and help us. <laughs> I want David to come and help us serve your people, serve your body. Because these over 300 people that we have to prophesy on each one of them, there is no way, there is no way John and I can do it. And I thought about this. When you do all you can, I sow a seed, I pray, I, I pray, I did everything that I know how. And I, why? And not only that, because I wanted my son to come, my son-in-law to come and help us to serve the body of Christ. And I have seen when you and I do that, God will step in to your situation and do only God can do. Amen. Listen, I can give $500, but I can't heal my daughter. I can do all I can, but only God can do that. And that's why, yes, I, share, I say, share about sowing seed. Listen, God is not limited to financial. What about serving the body of Christ using our time? Looking at this worship team, listen, I believe they have to show up an hour early to practice, not only that, I believe there is so many ministry that we can give our gift, our time to serve. Our, since John and I started this church, we have to mandatory with our staff member that they have to get up and we have, they have to join in prayer meeting from 6 o'clock 
to 6.30 every day, five days a week. So I told them, you have to get up. I mean, early in the morning and join us a Zoom prayer. And what I found out, John and I, we found ourselves, it doesn't matter whatever part of the country, with the time difference, that means we have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning because the church is in Tucson, Arizona. It's 6 o'clock every morning over there. If we're in, we're in Hawaii, that means we have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because we wanted to serve the body of Christ. Now, that's what I wanted to share with you. Whatever you can do, not only if it's God is not looking for people to is not looking for people that we are limited to serving financially. What about serving the body of Christ using our time? Amen. And I believe that's why I was looking at my poor husband. Because we had to get up early. We have, to, we have to both get up at the prayer meeting. And guess what? After the prayer meeting, I went to bed. <laughs> you know? Why? Because I need to sleep. But he still continued to stay up, continued to stay on the phone. But anyway, the reason why I share with you that story, because many of us here tonight, we do have a need, and we don't know how to take care of it. We don't have the answer to do it. But I want to encourage you, serve the body of Christ to the best that you know how, and watch God will step in into your situation and take care only what God can do. Amen. I, I remember, I think it was last year. John and I basically live on a road, but last year we decided, I, I'm sure I shared this one, but I felt like to share it again real quickly. We decided to buy a home in Florida nearby our, our children. And brand new home, 10, 10 minutes walk to the beach. And while we were there during the quarantine staying at this home, my daughter came and visited us, and I sent her to go, uh, sent her to the, to the store to get some, um, some grocery for us. 30, at the, our, the grocery store is three miles away from our home. So we're kind of, they were gone about 30, 40 minutes. All of a sudden, I got a phone call. My daughter said, Mom, you guys better get out. I said, why? Mom, just get out to the front door. I got out. Look right in front of us. It's this huge fire in front of us. The fire was happening on, a free, on the other side of the freeway. Because of the wind, the wind picked up the fire, throw it into our side, push it all the way to us. I tell you what, John and I just got our grandson, our grandson with us, jumped into, praise God, they left us one of their vehicles. We jumped into their vehicle, and trying to maneuver to be able to get out. There was a flame right in front of, of us, the subdivision, right across the street from us. So we got in the car, drove out. Praise God, we were safe. We kept driving, driving, finally found a hotel, spent the night in a hotel, trying to see if there is, we can find any news, see what happened to our house, because the fire was right in front of us. Couldn't find anything. We woke up the next morning, got in the car, all of us drove back. When we got into the subdivision in front of us, all the homes, 32 homes, already turned into ashes. I said, oh my gosh. So we turned right in to see if our home is still standing. It's a brand new home. When we pulled in, 
there were only three homes standing there. My home is in the middle, and one home on my right, and one home on my left. And I look at those two homes, and this is what went through my mind. Wow, you guys are lucky that I choose to live here. <laughs> yes! <laughs> that is the truth. Because in my mind, it, that is the truth. Because my house has to stand. And in order for my house to still stand, those two homes on my side can burn down. Because if those two homes burn down, my house will burn down also. But what happened when we got out, the wind shifted and pushed the fire all the way to the other side. And all the homes all around, all burned down, went into ashes. But my home, along with those two other homes on my side, still standing. And God showed me, Meliana, because you choose to obey me, because you choose to trust me, I will see to it that my protection, my favor, were not only on your life, but my favor will affect everyone around you. Your favor, the blessing on your life will affect your children, your grandchildren, the church, and whomever you come in contact with. Listen, that's why it's so important for you and I to obey God and serve God faithfully. Why? Listen, you're selfish. We are selfish if we don't obey God faithfully. Why? Because it will affect our family. It will affect our children. Listen, my two neighbors, I don't know who they are. <laughs> because I show up, you know, because they don't really know them because I show up, they stay there and I fly out. But listen, but because I live there, you can't help but to be blessed, <laughs> you know. You can't help but the protection of God is around you. I remember sometimes I'm in a plane, turbulence, up, drop down, people screaming. And in my mind, oh, he's screaming. This plane is not going to go down. Why? Because I'm in it. <laughs> I'm here in this plane. This plane has to get to Hawaii. It has to make the destination over there. Why? Chair the other night. You and I are essential. The blessing, the favor of God is on your life and my life, and we will affect and bless everyone that we come in contact with. Amen. Listen, we're living in a crazy time. But let me tell, let me tell you what. It doesn't matter what the world are facing. God will continue to bless and protect and take care of his people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. I tell you what, when we pulled up that morning into our house, there were no ashes, absolutely nothing. 
the wind came and blew all the ashes. I didn't have to do nothing. I walk in and I look at my two grandkids and said, let's get our little wagon and walk to the beach. So that's what we did. Fill up our little wagon with uh, lunch and beach umbrella, tower, everything. And we walked to the beach, enjoyed the day that, that day. But that's why I want to encourage you. Trust God. Obey God. Do what you can to serve him faithfully. How we serve him? Serve the body of Christ. Amen. And you watch. God will step in and take care only what God can do. Give Jesus another big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You notice she said, you're lucky I live here. I live here. She didn't say nothing about me, you know. <laughs> I love her. She's amazing. She's amazing. She woke me up uh, when I was sleeping yesterday. I bind you. I bind you. I bind you. And I bind sickness off of you. And I loose healing on you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't wait for Sunday to come. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm so, I'm so honored to be here with this great spiritual family. Love your pastors and love uh, your staff and all the people. Can we give all the staff and all the people a wonderful hand for all serving? My wife is right. Uh, you... you um, you serving actually becomes one of the most greatest opportunities to be used of God. And every time we come here, I'm amazed at how the Lord is increasing the excellence of the servanthood of this house. It so blesses my wife and I. But this morning, I felt led of the Lord to talk about something that God put on my heart that I want to unpack this morning. Everybody say the word wilderness. I want to greet those that are watching online. We're so thankful that you're here with us today, watching from various locations around the globe. But ladies and gentlemen, when you talk about wilderness, how many know that there are moments in our life that we find ourselves in the wilderness? There might be some people here this morning that are in a wilderness. Uh, when I started the church, I didn't realize how much in the wilderness I was going. I didn't realize how much work it would be, what would require. I, 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 I should have talked to Pastor Norman Ruskin before I started the church, you know. Uh, and, but I didn't. And we find ourselves many times in a season of the wilderness. But here's the thing we have to understand. The wilderness was never designed to be forever. God's people and we as people are never designed to continually exist in the wilderness. But the wilderness is given for a purpose. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. Because what I've noticed this is that many times what I've noticed is part of when I talk about American Christianity or Western Christianity, what I've noticed is a lot of our Christianity is not based on experience, it's based on theory. A lot of our faith 
is not based on experience. It's based on theory. That's why I love Meliana's story when she said she put a $500 seed into the church believing that God would heal Leilani. Why did she do that? Because her faith was not based on theory. It was based on experience. Come on. Because God says if we pay our tithe and our offering, he'll rebuke the devourer. You, you know what I'm saying? Because how many have, have some things that you need God to rebuke? How many are in this room? You need God to rebuke the devourer. And not and because, because if you're in the wilderness, you're not going to be able to live off of theory. And that's why people do not learn to come out of their wilderness season. is because their entire Christianity has been based upon theory. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. What we're going to do today, this morning, is I'm going to connect a New Testament story with this Old Testament proclamation. I'm going to be quoting also out of Matthew 4.4 in a moment. But turn with me. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And this is what it says. The prophet Moses is talking to the people of God. And he says these words. Every command which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. That you may live and multiply. Everybody say live and multiply. There has to be something central in our thinking when we think about God. God wants you and I to live and multiply. That's his heart. And if we aren't living and we aren't multiplying, we need to change what we're doing because God's design for you and I is to live and multiply. And go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore by your fathers, which means the prophetic word that he gave your fathers, I want, it, I want it to come to pass. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way through these 40 years in the wilderness. Everybody say 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years is a long time to be in the wilderness. But I want to tell you something right now. I love what Tim said. I'm just going to say this, that when the prophet Isaiah had an encounter with the Lord in the throne room, he heard the voice that said, holy, holy, holy. How many know around the throne, the, the angels of the Lord are saying, holy, holy, holy. In America, we believe that God is saying, hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry, 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 preacher. I've got to go have lunch. Let me just tell you, God is not in a hurry. And he's not really in a hurry in getting out me out of the wilderness until I learn what I need to learn. And so, 40 years in the wilderness. Now notice what it says here. Then it says... To humble you and to test you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Because if you can't keep his commandments in the wilderness, you'll never keep his commandments in the promised land. 
So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he might make known that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. I don't know about you right now, but this, this, this phrase, man shall not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeded out uh, the mouth of God was quoted when Jesus was fighting the enemy. It, when he was going in the wilderness in, and being tempted by the devil, he understood. He looked the devil in the eye and said, Man shall not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Let me just tell you right now, I do not live by what the CDC says. I do not live by what the doctor says. I don't live by where the government says. I don't live by those that don't know God says. I live off of every word that proceeded out of God. God's mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And because I live by every word that proceeded out of God's mouth, I believe in d divine healing. And because it's not a theory, it's in my experience. Because here's what happens. When I am sick, instead of agreeing with the sickness, I agree with God's word. And God said, because man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Because here's what God is raising up. Because we're getting to the place when we can't, we can't trust everybody's word. But I can trust his word. That's where I live by. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am not saying that the wilderness is not a real place. It's a real place. But I will tell you this. What I'm going to share with you right now, I believe, is going to change your life. Turn all the way, if you would please, to the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. We're going to camp there the rest of the night, the rest of this morning. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when I hear that, I realize something. I was sharing with the first-year students on Thursday night that there is a difference between possession and oppression. When this woman came to Jesus and made the statement that her daughter is demon-possessed, this is what she's implying. I have gone to the end of my rope trying to heal her and seeing her bring a cure. She's in the wilderness. I'm in a wilderness because, ladies and gentlemen, when a loved one that we care about is suffering, we are too. When someone in this spiritual family is suffering, we as a spiritual family suffer as well. They're 
demon-possessed. We are walking through their journey ourselves. Are you hearing me? They're walking with us, and we're walking with them. And it says that she's suffering terribly. Now, the fact that she's demon-possessed is telling me that she is not just oppressed. Her behavior, her attitude, and her actions is actually controlling the atmosphere in that home. Are you hearing me? She has tried every doctor. She has tried every psychiatrist. She has tried every vitamin. She has tried everything. She drank the whole bottle of silver. It didn't work. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what they gave me. That's what they gave me. <laughs> pastor, came with a, pastor came with some yellow stuff on a spoon. And I said, what's that? He said, K. Now I got all the vitamins. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I, I mean, she tried everything. She's in a wilderness. Because when someone we love is suffering, we're in the wilderness with them. You follow me? I mean, one of my, my own wilderness seasons in my life is when my daughter was going through a divorce. That was a, that was a wilderness season because every night, after service, God would move, God would heal, God would do miracles, and yet we'd get a call from my daughter, and she'd cry on the phone to her mother because of what happened with her husband. And she felt like such a failure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was a wilderness. And she goes to the man because she hears that there's a man named Jesus Christ that takes care of what nobody can take care of. And here she is crying out in her wilderness that God would heal her daughter. And we know the character of God. We know how compassionate he is. We know how loving he is. We know how patient he is. But what happens, what somewhat shocks me, not that somewhat, it shocks me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And it says, Jesus did not answer a word. Ladies and gentlemen, how many in this room have cried out to God, but you heard nothing? You brought the need before God, yet you see him do it to somebody else. Oh, come on. You've seen him heal somebody else. You've seen him do a miracle for somebody else. But then when it comes to your need, all you hear is silence. I can tell you something. That can drive us deeper in the wilderness. But we got to get to the we got to get to the place that man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. We can't take silence as a no. Oh, hear me, hear me, hear me. We can't take silence as a sign that says God does not want to meet my need and to heal my family. Silence doesn't mean God is saying no. Could it be He's testing me? Could it be in the silence 
that he's testing me to go deeper into the wilderness so he can tell me man does not live upon bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I feel the presence of God in this room. The silence. Because here's what can happen. Because of our own woundedness and because of our own suffering, we can misinterpret the silence. And, and falsely believe that the silence means that Jesus doesn't care. When, because we grew up in a place where we were around people that were passive-aggressive, that the way they deal with anger was by shutting down and give us the silent treatment. Are you hearing me? God doesn't give his children the silent treatment. He is not a passive-aggressive father. Are you hearing what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? And she could have misinterpreted that, and guess what would have happened? She could have said, oh, you must be saying no. And then she had to go home and suffer along with her daughter. But here's what happens. Jesus doesn't say anything. And then it says, so his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Listen to what happens. First of all, she gets the silent treatment. Then the, she goes to church. And the church tells Jesus to send her away. The disciples say, send her away. She's a distraction. Which tells me, not only did she get the silence, but the disciples are being indifferent towards her need. How long would you last in a church where they were indifferent towards what you were going through. You would not stay in a church like that. Because you would interpret the indifference of the disciples as they don't care about me. They don't care about my need. All they care is about themselves. I'm thankful that Valley's not indifferent. Are you hearing me? Some, but sometimes what can happen is because of our own pain and our own suffering, we can look at our leaders and think they're indifferent to our need because they don't respond to our need according to what we want. So here she is. She's got the silence. She's now got the indifference. And the indifference is driving her deeper into the wilderness. Then it says, he answered. Praise God, he's going to answer. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. What does that tell me? In other words, that's a racial statement. Am I, am, I, am I correct in saying that? You're a Canaanite. I'm an Israelite. 
and I'm not sent to you. That's a non-politically correct statement right there. Because here is a foreigner coming to him with the need, and now Jesus saying, sorry, I can't help you because I'm not sent to you. But let me ask you a question. Are we going to allow our race to determine our miracle. Where I'm going to put my racial, my, my race, who I am, above the need of my daughter. Are you hearing what, you know what I'm saying? I mean, she's rejected. This is rejected. I'm rejecting you. That's basically based on your race. And she can do nothing about her race. We don't choose our race. Sometimes I wish I was black, honestly. You might laugh, but when I'm with my black people, preacher friends, they like me because I shout at them just like them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll even put my suit on because I like being in the black church. Are you hearing me? But I'm as white as white. I'm hillbilly. I didn't get to choose my race. Come on. I wish I could rap. Then I tried it and realized that's not my gift. Come on. That's a racial statement. Here she is. Silence, indifference, rejection. And silence, indifference, and rejection can drive me deeper in the wilderness. But here's the thing. Because everybody in this room has been rejected based on things you can do nothing about. But here's the one thing I know. Man does not live upon bread alone. But every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I don't live by rejection. I don't live by indifference. I don't live by silence. I live by what God says. Oh, come on. So how does she respond to the silence? to the indifference, and to the rejection. How does she respond? Emiliana, could you bring me a breath? Here's what she does, because I love her reaction. Because, <coughs> because ladies and gentlemen, what happened? Why, why did the majority of Israel die in the wilderness? Rebellion. They rebelled in the process. Are you hearing me? The reason people do not make it out of the wilderness is they rebel against God's process with their life. Come on. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? And the moment you rebel in the process, you don't make it to your promise. But I'm speaking to people that want to get into the promise. Come on. I'm speaking to people that want to get into the promise. No, I don't like the silence. I don't like the racial statement. I don't like the rejection. I don't like the indifference. But I'm not going to rebel in the process. 
And here's what she does. Is she does what every one of us need to do. Is This is what she said. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. She got on her knees and she began to worship God. God, in the middle of, because you one thing, in the middle of all this rejection, all this indifference, all this silence, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to worship God. Oh, come on. I'm not going to rebel when I don't get the answer I want. I'm not going to rebel if I don't get the prophecy I want. I'm not going to rebel if they don't come and meet my need. Because man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. On her knees, she begins, Lord, help me. Obviously, the Lord. When she would, he would see something like that, you'd think that he would be moved with compassion. Because of her worship and her humility and her willingness not to leave. But listen to what happens as this story progresses. Because I'm going to tell you, if we rebel in God's process, we will never be able to carry the, carry the glory that He's destined for us to carry. Then, in the middle of her worshiping, she says, He replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Well, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with church. I'm done with God. I'm done. I got silence. I got indifferent. They attacked my race. I worshiped. And now they call me a dog. I'm done. I'm going to another church. Come on. I am done. But what's amazing about her is this. You have to see this. Please don't forget what I'm going to tell you right now. She has yet to get a word regarding her daughter. That's what she came for. Every word has been directed at her, not her daughter. Hear what I'm saying. Because she understood that man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I have yet to receive a word regarding my daughter and the situation that my daughter is dealing with. Come on. So when Jesus said that it's not right, come on, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. Come on. She didn't care what she was called. My calling is not more important than my daughter. Oh, Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? My identity and who I am is not more important than my daughter being healed right now. So I don't care what you call me, Jesus. 
I don't care what you call me. You don't have to call me prophet. He don't, Tim doesn't have to say I'm the greatest. Come on. Tim doesn't have to say that because I'll be a dog if I get my daughter healed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I didn't come to get a word for me. I got to come to get a word for her. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I feel like preaching right now. Because some of us got to get into the place when it's just not about us. Because most people, when once they're called a dog, I'm out of here. Now I'm going to post how bad Valley is all over social media. That preacher called me a dog. And then you go back home. And demons having a field day in your marriage, having a field day in your family, having a field day at work, having a field day in every area of your life. And you wonder why. Which means she had got to the place where I am not going to allow anything to offend me. I'm going to live an unoffended life. Church, I'm going to tell you something that I have never said. When we get to the place when we're unoffendable, we're going to see so many miracles. When we get to the place when you can't offend me, when you can't, whatever you say about me, okay, I'm going to agree with you, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm after one goal, one vision, one dream. I want my daughter healed. And I'm waiting for I get a word from God about what my daughter. Because I don't live by I don't live by what I'm called by. What happens when they call me a false prophet? Can you imagine if Kim got up here with a false prophet? John Harkey, please come up to stand. <laughs> I love Tim, but man does not live upon what Tim said. But every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. You can call me a false prophet. You can tell me all kinds, you can call me all kinds of names, but that's not where I find my purpose. I found my purpose when every word that proceeded out of God's mouth, that's where I found my purpose. At that moment, talk about deep in the wilderness, ladies and gentlemen. She's really in the wilderness. Because she's being tested. Do you know that you're being tested by what people tell you? That you don't agree with? That's God's test. Then what she says is, yes, Lord. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I don't know about you this morning, but I didn't get dressed up to come to church. I got dressed up because I want to get to the master's table. Because I need a word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I can take that word and take it into the point of my need. And I love 
coming to church to a table where the bread of God is being laid out because there's enough bread in the house for everybody. Oh, come on. Are you hearing me? There's enough miracle. There's enough anointing. There's enough prophetic. There's enough for everybody because I get to the master's table. My goal is to get to the master's table so I can get a word from him. Listen to this. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus never said that one time to his disciples. Those indifferent boys were called little faith. Hey, little faith, come here. Hey, you little faith guys, come here. You, that's what they call, that's how he, but this woman who he, who he said, I'm not sent to the lost, uh, 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 to anybody but the sheep of Israel. Come on. All of a sudden, the next thing, so you have great faith. The thing is that sometimes we haven't w- w- waited long enough to hear the right word. We've left, but we've left before we've heard the right word because we misinterpreted the early word. Oh, hear me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and God is saying, stay, 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 stay. Don't worry about what is said at the moment. Man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You have great faith. I've had leaders in the body of Christ that have big ministry. John, your church will not survive unless there's a pastor. Okay, I appreciate your input. I respect your opinion. But man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Woman, you have great faith. Now, I don't know about you, but wouldn't you like God to tell, say that about you? Yeah. You know, because my prophetic gift is not necessarily what pleases him. What pleases him is when I have faith. Because sometimes, because our, the gift is given to us, we can operate naturally in our gift. Because it's given to us. People ask me all the time, how can you prophesy like that? I say, I, I'm just like breathing. I don't think about it. But when it comes to a crisis, when it comes to a season in the wilderness, that's when I need great faith. And great faith is going to be imparted to you this morning. How many need great faith? Come on. How many need great faith? Because we can't operate on the faith we had in 2019. We got to operate at great faith. You have to have great faith to come to church right now. Come on. Listen, woman, you have great faith 
your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when I look at that, when Jesus gave her the word, you have great faith, that was the word she was looking for. And at that moment, she understood man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. And when she got a word regarding her daughter, God did the rest. Oh, come on. And I want to tell you this. I don't preach on eschatology. Not to say that I don't appreciate those that do. But this is my eschatology. If you want to know it. Whether you're post-trib, pre-trib, or tribbed out. Come on. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Tribbed out. Come on. Whatever you are, it's okay with me. But this is me. I want you to turn and put that scripture up out of the NIV 1984 edition Song of Solomon 8.5. As I bring this message to a close. I love this word. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. I know it by heart. It says, who is this? Everybody say, who is this? When I look at the story that we read before us, before this, what kind of woman is that Canaanite woman? Song of Solomon 8.5. What kind of woman is that woman? That would not allow the silence, the indifference, the rejection, the calling of her, the attack on her identity. What kind of woman is this? Who is this? Everybody say, who is this? Who is this? You know what I want the community to say about Valley? Who is this? Who, what kind of people still believe God like they do when I see them go through all kinds of things and they still have joy? Who is this that go through so much pain and so much wilderness season that they're, they're not crazy? They're mo the most joyful people to be around. Who is this? See, what we need is not another church in the Treasure Valley. We need a who is this? Who is this? Now notice what it says. Who is this? Then what kind of person are these people? What kind of person is who is this coming up? Everybody say, coming up. Hey, people, you want to know my eschatology? I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I don't know about the world. They may be going down, but I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm going up in this life, and I'm going up in the next. It's called resurrection. Who is this coming up? Now, what does that mean? Coming up, that means a place of victory for the church. There's a place of victory for the church. Who is this coming up from? The wilderness. Which means John and Meliana are not staying in the wilderness. Valley Church is not staying in the wilderness. And the people from this church are not staying in the wilderness. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have wilderness seasons. We have family members that 
are going through things. They're battling sickness. They're battling relationship conflict. But that's not the end of the story. How many want to come up from the wilderness this morning? How many want to come up from the wilderness? I was so blessed by John and his wife. They were there. They've been, I think, every meeting. And he told me one of the will, one of the intercessors here in the church, he was having seizures. They had seizures so bad that his wife had to call him all the time and make sure he was there. And one of the intercessors that believed in healing prayed for him. Not, not a guest speaker, not a, not a Benny Hinn, just someone who wanted to bring John out of the wilderness. Come on. Prayed for him and he gets healed from his seizures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know why? Because people who come in here in the wilderness are going to leave coming out of the wilderness. Who is this coming up out from the wilderness? No. If I've said anything, if I've said anything this morning, remember what I'm going to tell you. I am not going to come out of the wilderness leaning on the problem. I'm not going to come up out of the wilderness leaning on the diagnosis from the doctor. I am not going to come up leaning on the wilderness looking at the weakness of my spouse. Are you hearing me? Or seeing the rebellion of my children. I am not going to come up out of the wilderness. I'm not going to come up out of the wilderness leaning on the fact that I've lost my job or I don't have enough money. I'm not coming out of the wilderness. I'm going to come up out of the wilderness leaning on my beloved. Could it be that we're in the wilderness so we could have the revelation that man does not live upon bread alone but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Lift your hands toward heaven. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for each one that have come here today. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that over these next few moments that we have together, an entire congregation is coming up out of the wilderness because we are going to lean upon you because we don't live by the words of man but we live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth in the name of Jesus you can put your hands down let me ask you a question how many want to come up out of the wilderness let me just tell you you know what brought Meliana about out of the wilderness again it's not a formula. But whatever seeds I plant is going to determine my harvest. You know what we're going to do? Honestly, if we hadn't sowed seed in Tucson, we wouldn't have a church. But you know what's interesting? has happened since we started the church Tucson has had more rain 
this summer because they have monsoons in the summertime. I've had more rain in the summer, more rain this year than they had in over 100 years. Because we got a prophetic word that it would become a, it would be a year of the super bloom. Are you hearing me? Because man does not live upon bread alone. And then when it started raining all the time, and we had members of our church call us up, we've had so much rain, the drought's over. Oh, come on, church. Are you hearing me? But I honestly believe it's because, first of all, we sowed into the city. Secondly, we sowed into the Word. Because when we sow into the Word, we are saying, God, I believe what your Word says. I believe it. And I remember early on, we didn't have a sound system. We didn't have a sound system. And I have, I, I, I we got a sound system, praise Jesus. I called my, I called my son. I said, I said Charles, he's a sound engineer in Nashville. has a, has a studio in his house, and that's what he does. And a great worship leader. And I called him and I said, Hey, son, we need a good sound system. Why don't you send me a link or something so I can see how much it would cost and everything, so we can purchase a sound system. And I'm thinking like fifteen hundred dollars. That's what I'm thinking. He sends me the sound system, 7,000. That was well, well beyond my budget. But I remember what I did. I put my hand on that, my telephone where I saw that link. I said, God, I want you to provide the sound system because it's not for me. The next day, a lady in Hawaii sowed a seed to the church in Tucson for $17,000. Man does not live upon bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Because the 7,000 sound, sound, uh, sound system could have freaked me out. Because it didn't fit my budget. And sometimes what happens is we get freaked out by the conflict and the crisis rather than accessing the word that proceeded out of God's mouth. To invade the conflict. Are you hearing me? So here's what we're going to do. Not only those of you that may be in a wilderness, but how many want to bring people out of the wilderness? How many want to bring people out of the wilderness? People that you know, friends, family, you want to bring them out. Because honestly believe what would have happened if that mother would have gotten offended at how she was treated silence, the indifference, the rejection, the attack of her personhood and identity. But she waited until she got a word from God. Then God did the rest. So here's what I want you to do this morning. 